It is March 2023. We are at episode 16 of the ICB News Channel. And I have with me the ICB Executive Director, Matthew Addison. Great to have you as always, Matthew. Thanks, Rob, and thanks for uh, allowing me back on your podcast. Uh, I don't know if it's my podcast, but we'll run with the fact that what is different for the listeners is uh, often you'll hear Matthew and I speaking, and we are literally thousands of kilometres away from each other, but in this occasion we are in the same room, so a rare occasion for Matthew and I to actually speak face-to-face in the real person, if that's such a thing. Uh, it is good, Rob, and just so the listeners understand, we're in the middle of the ICB Summit series. Yeah. So we're actually sitting in a hotel room in Cairns as we speak, yeah. uh, having already spoken to audiences in all of Hobart, Canberra and Sydney. Uh, based on your feedback, based on your interaction with us, it's been going really, really well and we're looking forward to the Cairns audience shortly um, and then the rest of the country over the next couple of weeks. And always, as always, if you're tuning into the ICB News Channel perhaps for the first time or are a regular listener but not a member of the ICB, um, we would encourage you to uh, consider what is the Australian Bookkeepers Summit and uh, we've got some articles in our February newsletter that call out what that is and uh, you may may get some interest in wanting to find out a little bit more, which you can always do by going to www.icb.org.au. Talking of which, Matthew, we've got uh, plenty of news items at www.icp.org.au, but as always, we want to focus in on items that are in both, in some cases, in all cases, our member member newsletter for February, which covers off on March and beyond, but also I want to just make sure that people are aware if you're tuning in and you want a copy of what we're talking about, there is a non-member newsletter. It doesn't always have everything we speak about, but there's lots of content in there that I think especially um, bookkeepers who are in employment would find very valuable in their business. What what, uh, what, what do you see as being uh, the importance of reading something like our ICB newsletter, Matthew? Uh, Rob, be it, a, you know, be it one of our members, be it one of our you know, very professional certified bookkeepers, be it a bookkeeper in employment, or be it the do-it-yourself bookkeeper, the ones in business, what uh, is really important is that we actually know what's going on in the world. So um, part of ICB's role is to take what's going on big picture and put it into bookkeeping speak. And so, you know, funnily enough, our encouragement would be be connected to an information source that's relevant to you. And in a world full of social media, full of news items everywhere, full of stuff all over the place, uh, we we spend a lot of time and effort making sure that the information contained within the ICB newsletter is accurate, it's reliable, it's up to date, and uh, we certainly would encourage everybody to consider just going and having a look at www.icb.org.au and all the news items that we're about to speak about now. So let's have a look at the first one, which is for the members on page eight of the newsletter. It talks, uh, it's under our heading, which we have regularly called Best Practice Bookkeeping, which uh, obviously on this show we encourage all of the time. Uh, In February 2023, as in last month, as we go to air, there was a release of an updated copy of the National Employment Standards. Not a lot really to unpack there, Matthew, other than just to call out initially that 
uh, and a reminder to all bookkeepers in practice that um, employers need to ensure that they provide a copy of the Fair Work information sheet for all new employees. In this updated release from Fair Work in re relation to the NES, probably the main thing that we want to zone in on is um, some clarity around the timing and introduction of the fully paid family and uh, violence domestic leave. I'm still trying to get my tongue around that one. Um, there's a number of things that um, may be causing a little bit of angst in the community around that. And uh, the newsletter calls out some of the, the key aspects of that. But do you want to just run through some of the summary on the PFDV we'll run with? How does that sound? <laughs> uh, well done. And, uh, yeah, you got the words around the wrong way before. Did but I? That's right. <laughs> Family and domestic violence leave. There you go. Um, yeah, so, Rob, just want to really call on that th the, the concept you alluded to, the National Employment Standards, the Fair Work Information Statement, it's going to keep changing. In this era we've got before us of changes to the industrial relations laws, I can see that this statement's going to change regularly. So at ICB, every time there's a change, every time you get a need to get a new template for your onboarding systems, we'll let you know. In this case, it was the Family and Domestic Violence Leave. I've got a feeling they've changed some words about the flexible working arrangements as well because that law is yep. under the shuffle. Yes. But family and domestic violence leave, we have moved from that world of five days unpaid yep. and the rules around that to slightly enhanced rules, slightly expanded rules for paid family and domestic violence leave. So ICB's got a whole resource on that for those of you that are involved in payroll, involved in what records need to be kept. But uh, from uh, 1st of February, it applies to large businesses. From 1st of August, the paid family domestic violence leave kicks in for small employers, and that's 15 headcount or less. Sorry, below 15 headcount. Yes. Um, Right now, Rob, we do have those five days unpaid. Yeah. So the five days unpaid is not going away until you hit those respective dates. Uh, a number of people keep asking, why did small business get the 1st of August? That was a concession so we could get our act together in terms right. of the records we right. keep. Right, yep. Right. Um, just rehashing, Rob, some of what's in our guidance do not put on the pay slip that somebody took paid family yeah. and domestic violence leave. Yep. We called that out in the last episode. If you're not quite sure what that means, we'd encourage you to go back and have a listen to episode 15 of the ICB News Channel where we talk extensively about what can and can, or what should or shouldn't go on a payslip. Um, but a good call out all the same again, Matthew. Um, I guess probably that... that um, uh, statement that you've made around the fact that just because that 1st of August uh, date is looming out there and hanging out there for s smaller businesses, less than 15 as of the 1st of February, um, those five days of unpaid um, domestic violence leave, family domestic violence leave, there you go, I think I've got it around the right way this time, um, still exist. So we yeah. want to call that out. Look, we've talked about it a little bit here, Rob, and last episode, as you've said, but a very strong recommendation to all employers or even if you're an employee and you're aware of one of your colleagues, 1-800-RESPECT, both the website and the phone number. Uh, just draw on the experts to assist you 
in anybody that is uh, a, a victim or an associate of anybody needing support. Yeah, yep, no, great call, great call. Still sitting with the Fair Work flavour, although talking more Fair Work Commission, and a lot of people do get confused, Matthew, between um, the Fair Work Commission and uh, the uh, Fair Work... um, Ombudsman. Ombudsman. There we go. There's the other word. Uh, Actually, while we're on it, we haven't got it in the newsletter. What is the difference between the Fair Work Ombudsman and the Fair Work Commission? Fair Work Ombudsman really is the regulator um, to implement the law uh, upon employers. So respond to employee complaints, provide information to employers about how to meet their obligations. The Fair Work Commission is more about deciding on the law. They are adjudicators. They are decision makers. Um, So they have a very different role. Um, what is really good to see is that the Fair Work Commission are now reaching out to go, how do we get more relevant for small business? Yeah. And uh, I've had a couple of conversations with um, the Commissioner and some of his deputies about uh, becoming a little bit closer to small business. Because right now, Rob, as small business people, we wouldn't talk to the Commission in a pink fit. Mm. We wouldn't go yep. there. It's too complicated. You need lawyers. Yep. And they've worked out that, hang on, there's 800,000 employers in the country, 700,000 of those are small. So we need to have a way to connect with a small employer. Yep. And just for anybody listening in who's probably under the age of about 40, you'll have to go and Google what a pink fit means. I'm not sure what that one is, but we'll... we'll, um... And I'm over 40 and I'm not sure, but I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a good quiz question, I reckon. What is a pink fit? We'll work with that one. The, the Fair Work Commission has made a number of um, changes from a, a tech and cyber enhancement perspective to how you'll access the modern awards published on their website. So if you are looking to find an award, we would, uh, and you're not quite sure, we'd recommend page 11 of our current newsletter. The uh, February newsletter calls out exactly how to do that, Matthew. Probably one of the the main articles that um, we want to sort of deep dive into and get our heads around is the working from home tax deductions reform. Um, that's called out on page 12 of our member newsletter. Uh, A number of things to unpack there, including, um, first of all, just get you to give us a bit of a summary of the updated rules, but also about maintaining records. And there's a a term thrown around, introduce retrospectively. What does that actually mean? So I'll I'll hand over to you. Uh, Thanks, Rob. Luke. I just want to draw out for the bookkeeping community, even the BAS agent community, this is really talking about income tax deductions. Yes. So this isn't an area we can give advice to businesses about. We can, however, ask questions. One of the reasons we've included it in uh, the newsletter, we actually ran a webinar on this uh, a week or so ago where we worked through these details. So for members, get into the webinar library and have a listen to our discussion about the new guidance. But 
uh, this clearly applies to a fair whack of our community. Um, yeah. Is whack an okay word? Yeah, you didn't whack. like pink fit, yeah. so I'll, I'll use the word whack. <laughs> um, a fair whack of our community work from home. So what is the consequence and what is the level of income tax deductions? And that's what we were trying to open up. The questions that you as bookkeepers who might be working from home sometime, you should be asking of your tax agent mm. in order to ascertain what level of income tax deduction. Now, the, um, I'm going to steal one of your terms, Rob. The elephant in the room with working from home tax deductions is if you do it by method B, Mm-hmm. It has a capital gains tax implication. Right. So um, under the current law, and we won't get into the politics of some of the announcements of the last couple of weeks no. about capital gains tax in the family home, under current law, the family home is exempt from capital gains tax. However, what this guideline says about working from home, if you make one room at home a place of business, That room, you claim a percentage of everything, but that room becomes subject to capital gains tax. Right, yep. When you eventually sell your family home, which you thought there was no tax. Yep. So what our uh, newsletter item goes into, there's two methods. There's a new fixed rate method. Mm -hmm. There was, I think it was 80 cents or 87 cents. It's now 67 cents per hour that you work from home. However, the rules have changed a bit. Previously, you could keep a four-week logbook to indicate what was an indicative use from home. As from the 1st of March this year going forward, you have to keep absolute log records, diary records of how many hours you're at home if you're going to use that cents per per kilometre method, (laughs) cents per hour method. Um, And, Rob, there's a real anomaly in there that I don't like. We're going to take back to the tax office If you use the 67 cents per hour, that includes your phone bill. Right. Even your mobile phone. Right. We blow our mobile phone bill by 67 cents an hour. Yes. Right? So there's a a real anomaly there. I'm not happy with it. And just in case you're wondering, guys, how this got to this point, I can assure you the uh, professional associations on behalf of tax agents had been debating this quite, um, what's a positive word? Robustly. Robustly with the tax office um, and did not necessarily land in a mutually agreed spot. Okay. So um, two methods, the fixed rate method or the uh, actual cost method where you keep a diary, you work out what your actual cost, how much you spend at home, um, but talk to your tax agent. I mean, that is our strong recommendation. And in the newsletter, I say advice for bookkeepers and BAS agents. Ask the questions. Now, I'm going to call out, if your tax agent says, don't worry about it, we'll just claim a percentage, you need to ask him, have you looked at the new rules? Right, yeah. Have you looked Good at call. the capital gains tax consequence? Because yep. unfortunately, there's some still living in the old rules. And that may have a consequence. And I guess it, it just goes to the role the bookkeeper, Baz agent, plays here, and that's that, that questioning nature. But also you talked about the record keeping, which we'd be encouraging all our uh, bookkeepers and, and Baz agents to keep a, a focus on at all times and in assisting a business owner in this instance, yep. a client who is working from home and is asking questions, the questions around um, the actual uh, law itself and the change in the law, 
uh, is a question that we can prompt accountants, but at this point, the record keeping and that just that questioning nature that you called out is where we want to focus in on uh, for this particular article. So great summation. And again, we'd reference that you go to the, uh, the newsletter, uh, the February newsletter, if you want to read a little bit more about that. We also, moving along um, in our February newsletter, have an updated resource that the uh, support and resources team have put a bit of time and effort into around uh, voluntary withholding agreements. There's a couple of uh, things that uh, are important when we consider voluntary withholding agreements. Uh, and uh, I won't steal your thunder. Do you want to uh, call out a few of those things for us, Matthew, in regards to voluntary withholding agreements? Yeah, Rob, they're an interesting one to me. Um, I don't know a lot of people that actually turn this switch on. Yeah, true. Right, That's to go, true. To go and use the voluntary withholding. What they're designed to do is for that contractor that's got an ABN to go, yes, I want you to take tax out, right? Because by the end of the, the year, I'm going to have a huge tax bill. I'm voluntarily asking you to take POIGW out, in effect. Flat rate of 20%, or you can go for variations around that, up, down, or sideways. Um, and there is a documentation process to put in place um, Clearly, it's an ABN holder, so it's a contractor, Rob. Yep. And if you put a voluntary withholding agreement in place as a contractor, it opens up that whole question of are you an employee? Yes. Or are you a contractor? Okay, I was going to go there next, so let, let's, loom, let's go into that because the article does reference that. It, it talks about... When we get into that, and before we do, there is a lot more context around that that you can read uh, by going and having a look at the newsletter. But there is a, a section that deals with exactly what you've just called out. Could the contractor possibly be an employee? And it talks about terms such as achieving a result. Can you explain to us what that means and in context with this? Yeah, so just uh, some context for the moment and don't let me avoid your question. We won't. Although it we got won't. too hard, so I might yeah. leave it alone. <laughs> um, the context of the employee contractor rules as of today, the ATO revised them recently. I think they're still drafts, so they haven't been finalised. Uh, again, there's some resources for ICB members on our website and a webinar on this. The rules changed due to two court cases last year. And those court cases re-established that what is written down, what is the contract, what is the document say, um, and if it meets the tests of then going, you are a contractor, this is what is required of you, blah, blah, then they will rely on the contract, yep. not necessarily yep. the behaviour behind yep. it. Right. So the courts will come back to the bit of paper. One of those indicators that you are definitely a contractor and not an employee is where it says you are employed to produce these results. Yep. So as a bookkeeper, why are you contracted to my business? I don't have the expertise. I don't have the skill. And periodically, I want my books reviewed. I want my bank records out. I want my badge prepared. Check that I'm doing payroll properly or do my payroll and certainly prepare it at the end of the year for handing over to the accountant. That's a series of results. So if I've got a result, that's what I'm engaged to do, not just 
come and do my bookkeeping, I'll pay you 30 bucks an hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we, we you circled round beautifully to that term achieve a result and you've given a great example as well of the fact that there has to be a physical service provided rather than just a number of hours invoiced on an piece of paper, effectively. Yeah. Um, but there, there, there's, there's some complexities, isn't there? there it's been a, a debate that's raged for eons now. There's yeah. another word, eons. Um, and we'd encourage you to research this as well. And uh, again, circling back to the newsletter, there's some good information there that just calls out what are, what are the obligations of a, a business or payer in, in the case of a voluntary withholding agreement and the contractor's obligations as well leading into the conversation around is the contractor also potentially an employee? And just to finish that one off, Rob, uh, many of us would refer to the employee versus contractor tool on the ATO mm, website. Yep. It's not there right no. now. And uh, based on current information, it won't be returning anytime soon. Uh, but I do notice one of the accounting bodies actually called for it to be reinstituted uh, because many were relying on it. Uh, my problem was it gave the wrong answers. <laughs> so, uh, as a bookkeeper, if you put your circumstances in, it told you you were an employee of every one of your clients. There you go. So, uh, ju just be aware that tool is not there at the moment. Don't don't bother going looking for it. Let's move to to one of the last things I want to talk about today. It's one of we've got a couple, um, and that is an article that has the heading. Should you be registered with the TPB? The TPB, of course, being the Tax Practitioners Board. There's some new guidance on registration that, uh, especially for those of us who live in the BAS agent world, need to be across. Do you want to give us a little bit of a summary on, on that particular article, Matthew? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, Tax Practitioner Board has been consulting with professional bodies uh, for a while, just over a couple of their key guidance documents. What does it mean to be a BAS agent? Or more to the point, what is a BAS service? What is a BAS provision? Um, and it makes it a whole lot clearer about when a bookkeeper actually needs to register as a BAS agent. So that's where these documents go. What is a BAS service? What is a tax agent service? And the other one they did was uh, there was the third paper, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but all these documents are really reinforcing and giving the Tax Practitioner Board the baseline for some of the compliance activity they're going to do over the next year. Yep. This is a bad service. We've outlined it. We've explained it to you. You need to register. I think the one that you may have uh, overlooked is uh, what is a fee or other reward, perhaps? Yeah, that's, a, that's another part of the papers um, and another part of the legislation that requires you to be, to be a uh, registered agent. So. Lots of examples in our newsletter which you could go and have a look at uh, for those, again, tuning in who are saying, I need a little bit more context than what we're talking about here. Uh, we, uh, we really, really encourage you to go and have a look at some of the actual practical examples around uh, what is a BAS service and also what is a fee or other reward. And uh, you'll be able to see those on pages 20 and 21 uh, of our February newsletter. Lastly, 
Well, perhaps it won't be lastly. We'll go with we'll go with possibly lastly. Um, page twenty three. A little bit of angst in our bookkeeping community across Australia, Matthew, around the uh, the relatively new, although it's been around a, a little while now, the the process known as stapled super funds, and in particular, again, circling back to more Baz agents. Um, what is the story in regards to a BAS agent having access to be able to assist with staple, stapled super fund requests? So the law now or the legal status now, Rob, is really, really clear for BAS agents. The legislative instrument has been tabled with Parliament and it's gone past its objection date, which means it's law. And that legislative instrument says BAS agents are allowed to do everything about super. No, sorry, everything about superannuation guarantee on payroll, super guarantee charge and the stapled yeah, super fund. Yep. Um, to say everything about super gets into financial planning and don't go there. We won't go there. That's no, a whole different set of licensing. <laughs> um, so the law is clear. With the stapled super fund service, as you know, you go into OSFA, online services for agents with the ATO, and if they're your client, you put in the employee details and it'll return to you their stapled super fund. What's been happening is agents going in, requesting it, and it says access denied. So then you ring up the tax office and unfortunately what some members of their call centre are saying is you're only a BAS agent, you're not allowed to do this. It is not correct. It is not true. And what uh, page 23 of the newsletter says to our members, to BAS agents, use these words, yep. follow this logic, yep. and in fact ask to be escalated to the superannuation specialists. Right. Um, there is a specific team in the superannuation business area which triggers stapled fund access, and that's where you need to be escalated to. We've actually given the super info line phone number, 131020. Notice that's not your BAS agent number. No. That's the super line number yes. to raise these issues. Yep. There's just a, funnily enough, the ATO, Rob, is 20,000 people, right? There's thousands of people on their call centres. They have scripts. They have good scripts. They have good training and information. Yes, but I feel for anybody on a call centre mm -hmm. when you're dealing with call number 50 for the day. <laughs> um, so I do have some sympathy for them, but unfortunately they're giving the wrong advice. And what this gives you guys is the techniques to make sure you can get past that wrong advice. So that phone number again, 131020, 131020. We'd encourage you if you are experiencing the issue that we've just spoken about, give them a call and uh, we feel as though you'll be able to work your way through that particular scenario and uh, move on and be able to, as always, assist the business owners with what they're trying to achieve. I did sort of reference that that was the last, uh, the last thing, but uh, as always, I like to keep one up my sleeve, Matthew. Uh, page 25 of the ICB newsletter uh, has our upcoming network meetings. Now, why I'm raising this is because one of the huge highlights of our uh, annual Bookkeepers Summit to, to date was to announce the a life membership to an amazing person in our community, Maria Landrelli. Uh, Maria uh, has a, a significant uh, investment, you could say, or time investment 
in our bookkeeping community over many, many decades, but in particular her uh, dedication to the ICB has been exceptional. We're going to hear an interview with uh, a short interview with Maria shortly, but as only Maria could do, she selfish, um, she uh, non selfishly, that's the better way to put it, uh, selfish, selflessly, would that be a word? I, I'm still tr- struggling with pink fit, but uh, selflessly talks less about herself and the importance of network meetings in her life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about? Um, the, the importance of network meetings for ICB um, uh, members and those who would like to attend regardless. So I love questions without notice, Rob, so you're just going to get my real answers rather than <laughs> scripted answers. Uh, Rob, I think in our community and looking at our profession, while there is a trend going on at the moment for multi-person bookkeeping businesses, we still are primarily on our own. Yes. So 50% of us are still working just by ourselves. Even in those multi-person businesses, we're in now a remote environment. We don't see each other or we don't have the same level of communication. So the network meetings provide to me a number of solutions that a good professional bookkeeper needs interaction with others. Now, why is that important? Because you get to know what else is going on. You work out you're not alone. Yeah. You work out that the stresses you're feeling or the concerns you've got, oh, hang on, there's 10 other people in this room that are actually all feeling the same. They're all reacting the same or they're on a very similar journey. Or even better, they've been on the journey and they can offer some advice or, or wisdom about what you're going through. So I like that interaction, that leaning on, that sense of community you can get from it. I am going to call that, Rob, what a lot of our network meetings have ended up being is the backup to a bookkeeper. Yeah, great. So even when you're on your own or you're still the boss of a multi-person business and you're going, I can't go on holidays because the joint will fall apart. Yeah. Well, through our network meetings, what we're hearing is, I can go on holidays because I tapped somebody else on the shoulder and they said, yep, they would look after um, any urgent matters that came up or any or work with my team while I'm away. So there are a couple of my call-outs for network meetings. And absolutely, and Maria references um, that community aspect of of network meetings in the interview you are going to hear shortly on the ICB News Channel. So make sure you hang around and and have a listen to that. An amazing uh, member in our community, Maria, and uh, uh, you'll hear in a moment uh, the fact that she's been awarded life membership is something very humbling to her. And uh, uh, we'll look forward to that interview shortly, Matthew. But want to thank you for joining us on the ICB News Channel as always, providing excellent insight, excellent context to things affecting the professional bookkeeper, the bookkeeper in employment, the bookkeeper who's contracting. Uh, We love all our bookkeeping community and uh, you are certainly uh, leading the way, as always, Matthew, to to ensure that we are current, reliable and up-to-date, even if it is in a pink fit from time to time. (laughs) Rational, reasonable, realistic and professional, I think, was the four words you were looking for. I was searching, yes, but um, that pink fit thing just keeps coming back. So we'll move on from that. Thanks for joining us today on the ICB News Channel. Thanks again, Matthew. Thanks, Rob. 
As always, thank you to our resident guru, Matthew Addison, for his insights into the latest in the bookkeeping world and the backstories behind many of our recent ICB news items. We are now going to move into a short but very special interview with an extremely special ICB member following an announcement at this year's Australian Bookkeepers Summit in Sydney. Life membership is awarded with the highest honour that ICB bestows on a member. The recipient of the 2023 ICB Membership Award has been involved in mentoring and training franchisees of a large international accounting franchise and has set up many of the systems which are still in place today. Over the years, she has mentored a number of franchisees specialising in accounting, financial control and bookkeeping services to help them create their own profitable businesses and still maintain these networks. In 1999, she set up her own successful MYB consulting and bookkeeping business, assisting small business owners in, a, in computer accounting software and business systems. This member has been named the most successful franchisee in New South Wales on more than one occasion. She has also twice been a mentor for the Women in Business Mentor Program for the New South Wales Department of State and Regional Development. In 2010, she was asked to teach the Certificate 4 in Financial Services Bookkeeping and the GST BAS skill set. The required educational qualifications for registration with the Tax Practitioners Board as a BAS agent. She developed her own Cert 4 in Financial Services Bookkeeping training resources. In 2010, this member joined as an ICB member and established her monthly network meeting in Sydney, which she still facilitates today. She has received community service awards from Rotary and has reached the status of fellow of both the Institute of Public Accountants and as a member of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. The ICB 2023 Life Membership is awarded to, from your accounting solutions, Maria Landrelli. Let's now hear from Maria as she talks about her life as an ICB bookkeeper and also her amazing selfless approach as a bookkeeper to the bookkeeping community here in Australia. I am joined by the latest life member of ICB. How good does that sound? Maria Landrelli. Great to have you on our podcast, Maria. Thanks, Rob. You have joined a very rare crew. We've got uh, John Burse, Chris McComb, We've got um, Rick Freitag. Amazing fellow. Bless his soul. And um, also I'm missing somebody now. Pam Chilman. How could I forget Pam Chilman? Great friend of the ICB. Maria, how how do you feel about becoming a life member of ICB? I feel so privileged. It's so exciting. Totally unexpected because I was literally not expecting (laughs) it whatsoever. So very exciting. We um, we have so much to to be proud of as an institute. We're really proud of you. What what's what's made you proud to be a member of the ICB? I think it's the members. Yeah. I love the networking group. You know, and particularly my group, uh, which you know I've been uh, running the network meetings there for the last twelve years. Yeah. And um, you know, I got a very uh, lots of comments about how wonderful the group is, how they always make new people walking in the door feel so welcome. 
But the best thing, I had a presenter on insolvency come out a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. right. And I always warn the presenters, yep. this group will eat you alive. Yeah. You better know your stuff. <laughs> um, they will ask questions. You are not going to get someone not asking questions. And he came back to me the day after and he said, thank you for so much for letting me present. I have never met a group of so well-informed and thoughtful questions oh, that were being asked by this group. Group, and that includes some accountants that he's come across. How long? How long is it um, since you have been a network facilitator for ICB? Two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. Yeah. Okay. So the value that you see in network groups is oh, obviously huge. Invaluable. Yeah. You know, I was talking with one of the members um, day uh, yesterday actually, and she said it's you know I'm alone. You know, I work alone, and coming along to the networking meetings, it's not just about the knowledge I get, but it's also seeing other people. So it's the the professional, but it's also the mental. Yeah. Well, Maria. We, we are very proud of you, as I said. Congratulations on this achievement because you have been an absolute rock star for a long time now in our industry as a whole and in the bookkeeping industry. But on behalf of ICB, congratulations on your life membership. And we look forward to many years ahead of uh, the wisdom and the, uh, the wealth of knowledge that Maria Landrelli has. So thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. I'm lo- so grateful for uh, being awarded this. It's just so exciting. <laughs> Thanks, Maria. What a wonderful way for us to celebrate such a great contributor to bookkeeping in Australia than to hear from Maria after the announcement of her ICB Life membership. A huge congrats again to you, Maria. Well done. Finally, on today's ICB News Channel podcast, a sad but very pertinent way for us to finish. One of the Life members mentioned in the interview with Maria was the amazing Rick Freitag. Very sadly, Rick passed away suddenly in late January this year, 2023. We would encourage you to tune into our ICB podcast, The Heart of the Bookkeeper, episode 22, to hear the incredible story of Rick's bookkeeping journey from the mouths of some who knew him best. However, to finish off this episode of the ICB News Channel, Rick's network group in Victoria sent me in some recollections they had recently of the amazing Rick Freitag. Thank you for joining us today on the ICB News Channel. But before you go, let's hear from Danny Hayden, Simon Slade-Betts, Mark Mitchell and Ian Chait as they remember the one and the only Rick Freitag. Um, I would imagine some of you haven't heard of Rick, so I just think it's important to give a bit of perspective about who he was and what he meant to many of us. And in a way, he's had an influence on so many things that we now do today um, because he was very prominent in the setup uh, of the ICB um, and helping getting, get you know, BAS agents accredited and so on. I did my MIB certified consultant induction course in early 2000 and two with Mark Mitchell. And uh, we met there and realised that uh, we were about the same age and knew plenty of the same people. Um, And then following that, there was a monthly meeting at MYOB in um, East Burwood. um, And Rick was very late in getting his laptop. And he used to walk in with his whole hard drive. (laughs) And he lived in Mornington. And Rick had some very uh, clear um, philosophies about how he liked to work. 
He, in, his clients had to pre-pay him. They had to have good coffee and good biscuits or he wouldn't go there. He used to list on the MIB directory that his fees were $540 for three hours. And at 20 years ago, that was a lot. And um, I think that was really because he was so busy he didn't really want to take on any extra clients unless they were fair income. But I believe and I would suspect the kind of person Rick was, that if someone signed up for that, he would give them 10 hours. Mm. He was that kind of person. But he was also incredibly supportive and mentoring for newbies coming through. And he, my favourite um, philosophy, one of his little Rickisms that I really loved, that he he said um, now and then, was your clients don't care how much you know, they only care how much you care about them. Well well said, Danny, and uh, my name's Simon Slade-Betts, and I had the pleasure of knowing uh, Rick uh, many years ago, uh, back in 2000, uh, at uh, MYOB, uh, when I first started there, and uh, in those days, Rick would call through and was one of the, on the support line, I, as is where I worked, and Rick would call through and question, you know, the features and the functionality in the software and tell us where we didn't have it right and challenge us uh, in a very professional and objective way about uh, what we could be doing better and uh, how things could be improved and, and brought, you know, really useful feedback uh, to us at NYOB. And uh, it was always a, a pleasure uh, dealing with Rick and, uh, and his inquiries and... Uh, like, like Danny, I also remember those many sessions uh, that uh, Rick would conduct at our office in Burwood there, uh, uh, technical sessions about the software and about the world of bookkeeping, and uh, they were always very well attended and everybody uh, really, really valued his insights. He was completely, uh, totally passionate about the world of bookkeeping and, and, and I would say a, a real big fan of MYOB. In fact, so much so that we always knew that Rick was in the office at uh, Burwood because we just look out into the car park and there was his vehicle there with a personalised number plate MYOB. <laughs> so that's how much he took it to heart. He was really uh, a, a great person, uh, a pleasure to deal with always and, um, uh, yeah, he will be uh, sadly missed. I was, I was totally um, surprised when I heard about the sad news. So... Uh, yeah, my condolences to his family and, uh, of course, to our, our bookkeeping profession that we no longer have that wonderful resource of Rick uh, out there. So, yeah, uh, rest in peace, uh, Vic, Rick. Um, similar to Danny, um, we started in 2002 as MYB Partners, so 20 years ago. Um, but uh, Rick just did everything for us as, um, you know, new certified consultants. He'd been over backwards to... Yeah, you could ring him up, you could email him. He had a website with all his all his tools on it and he gave us access to all that. So nothing was too much trouble for him to share his knowledge with, you know, new bookkeepers coming through. So, um, yeah, he will be sadly missed. He was, a, he was a gentleman. I still can't believe he wasn't my partner of the year. Oh, okay. He might be partner of the year, which he probably should have, you know, early days. Um, but, um, yeah, he's left a massive... Um, there's a massive impact on, on the bookkeeping industry in Australia, I think. All right, Pete, great man. Anyone else knew of him? Or? Thank you, Mark. Mark Mitchell. Thank you. No worries. That website is still there. It's rick.com. I suggest you check it out. It's a free tool that you can use and check through things like that.
in your business because that's the sort of thing that Rick, and he was working on that because it shows that things were last updated up until fairly recently. So like Danny and um, Mark, I also met Rick when I attended some of the um, workshops at um, Burwood and a couple of things. He probably is one of the reasons I remained being a certified consultant because of what we got from the other members, uh, other consultants, the support we got, which was far superior than we could get otherwise. And the other thing was he was instrumental and persuaded me or, or encouraged me to start running these meetings for Justin. So, um, yeah, it was a huge shock as well when <clears throat> I heard this. I'd spoken to him two days before this happened. I only found out a week or so later. And uh, Simon, he was still talking about MYB and what they could do better and what they should be changing and what should be happening. So, yeah, so... Um, yeah, that's, that's farewell, Rich.